Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. Hello and welcome to Conversations with Elizabeth Johnston. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and I am very honored to have someone today as a guest who is a real hero of mine. His name is Victor Marks. Victor Marks is a very good example of someone who has endured unthinkable trauma in his life and in his childhood and has not allowed it to define or wreck his future. If you are in pain, even excruciating pain from trauma, and if you feel like you are at the end of your rope and wondering if there is even a reason to live, I want to ask you to listen to every moment of this podcast. This is going to be a powerful conversation. Victor is a husband, a father, a gifted martial artist, author, speaker, Marine veteran, a humanitarian who rescues and ministers to women and children traumatized by ISIS and drug cartels. He's really just a big, loving teddy bear, but he will bite your face off if you're trying to harm an innocent person. <laughs> and so, like I said, he's just a hero of mine. I never dreamed. Uh, years ago, I've, I um, knew about Victor's story and could have never dreamed that I would have been interviewing him years down the road on a podcast. Um, I am honored to have you with us, Victor. Welcome. Hey, thanks, Elizabeth, for the kind words. And I'm I'm stoked to be here. Awesome. Victor, I would like for you to start by talking about your childhood without being uh, too graphic, please, for yeah. our um, tender audience. Sure. Could you please describe the trauma you endured as a child? Sure. My, my dad was a drug dealer and a pimp who didn't claim me when my mom got pregnant. And uh, my mother would marry six times. Wow. And I went to 14 schools and 17 houses. But uh, the bulk of the abuse that I suffered, both emotionally and physically and sexually, would be under the hands of one particular stepfather. And uh, later, the experts trying to help me get my mind back together uh, said I was tortured uh, from the ages of four to seven, which included electrical and the water dunking, uh, Mm. things that I did not want to have to face, but they were affecting me uh, pretty severely. So uh, I ended up having to do 123 visits to a trauma specialist in a nine-month period. And as a kid, I was left for dead in a commercial cooler. Your stepfather left you for dead in a commercial cooler? It was actually my stepfather that did the most horrific abuse, but it was a neighbor in the country that actually uh, went to abuse me and then tried to, well, he, he was hoping I would die by putting me in a commercial cooler in the middle of the summer. I just had shorts on and uh, mm. was barefoot. So I was left in there for hours. And, mm. uh, you know, all I can say is, you know, God, God is able um, to restore and redeem. And I, I, I am thankful that, my past both doesn't define my future, 
or my identity. And I think that's where a lot of people get caught up in. Uh, They get caught up in being a victim and they, they live in that. So I've always considered myself more than a survivor, but a thriver. I didn't want to settle for just surviving. And I just want to make sure our audience understands you were you were sexually abused, right, by your stepfather? Oh yeah, by my stepfather horribly. and several others. Yeah, 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 horribly. Yep. Victor, almost half of the nation's children have experienced at least one or more types of serious childhood trauma, according to uh, a survey by the National Survey of Children's Health. Mm-hmm. Um, more than half. So how did you cope with the trauma of your childhood when you were a child? Right. Um, So there's a thing that happens to severe child abuse or repetitive. And um, gosh, I can't believe I'm going to talk about it on this because typically I don't. Go for it. Well, it's, it's, it's a dissociative disorder. Where, yes. where people learn to dissociate uh, in order to make it. So that was my, that was, I would say, my most prominent coping mechanisms was dissociation and, um, you know, uh, multiple personalities. So it, on a stage of, on a level of one to four, four meaning you lose touch with all reality and you become someone else. I, I was at a level three according to the specialist Wow. where you, you know, you just, uh, you had to, you had to go to a different place, you know, yeah. when I'm being dunked in a tub till I pass out or been, you know, shocked and electrocuted. So it's, it's actually a beautiful thing, Elizabeth, as a mm-hmm. child. Yes. It's beautiful. It gets to be in the way when you're older, because right. I, I try to tell people, uh, it's it's like having a boardroom meeting with multiple people. And the older you get, the more they start leaving the boardroom and wandering outside. That causes interference with your daily life. So mm. you're triggered, you feel, you see, you act, you react instead of respond. So most people who, and again, it varies. It's, it's varying degrees for everyone, right? Yeah. Uh, but when you see somebody react and as an adult in a way that almost is reflective of a child, it's so, it's so incongruent then, and you're shaking your head because you probably know someone or right. So yeah. And childhood trauma, unresolved unresolved, childhood trauma. It doesn't go away. It actually, it gets worse the older you get. That's what I would Mm. say. It's less noticeable as a kid because you know, it's a child, they're struggling with this or that teenager, you start making, you start maintenancing it and coping through drugs or alcohol, or, or, you know, depending, some people get very prudish, some people become very promiscuous. Yes, trying to reclaim their, you know, but the older you get, and then even when you start having children, and they become your age, then then the coping mechanisms don't work, because you start thinking, how in the world could someone do that to a child? Mm. And then anger comes. And I would say this, anger's, anger is a great thing. 
And people need to understand this. There's been a false narrative in Christianity that we're not supposed to be angry. It like somehow anger equates to sin. Jesus is the one who said, be angry, but don't sin. Right. Anger is a secondary emotion. And when people try to stuff that, like I had a conversation with a guy not long ago, I just said, Hey man, you know, da da da. And you know, his world's all perfect. I said, you are passive aggressive. And all yeah. I got to do is poke you in a couple of places and watch you get lit up, but You're you won't. Blow. Oh yeah. You won't explode on me because I'll, you know, I'll hurt your feelings, but you'll do it to your wife or someone else yes. who you, you know, you feel like can't whoop you or whatever. So all these things are real right now. People listening are going, Oh my gosh, uh-huh. they just went deep. And, but yeah. it may explain your own behavior, how you feel, and it may explain someone you love or care about or work with uh, to go, there, wow, there may be something else that's driving them. Mm. Absolutely. And, and I just want to say that we need to be honest with ourselves. Guys, it's time to get honest about the things that we have gone through in our lives. And as yeah. Victor said, not stuff it. And seek out the help of professionals who know how to help you walk through the trauma and heal from the trauma. Is the disassociative um, issues something that uh, you really can get help from and not continue to suffer with the rest of your life, Victor? Yeah, absolutely. It takes courage. It takes, I mean, I have faced ISIS. I've been shot at, mortared. I have faced death on a number of occasions. Heck, I'm a Marine and a black belt. I'd fight a room of black belts blindfolded. But yeah. before I would just haphazardly walk into a counseling session and go, okay, let's just open the can of worms. So I'll say this, so- a person has to be really desiring to know truth. Truth is what sets us free and not false hope and not minimization. Does that make sense? Yeah. And if you'll just be truthful about what's happened to you, it's not your fault and do the work of getting the healing. It's when we deny it, when we say, oh no, I'm not, I'm not traumatized. Um, That's when you'll never get the help and you'll begin to hurt all of the people around you. And so I'm so glad we're having this conversation. I mean, I didn't even know how far, uh, you know, this conversation would take us, but I'm, I'm really glad that you have been, um, this transparent with us because I believe a lot of people are listening right now. They're, they're identifying with this. Uh, They're realizing that they've stuffed the trauma for too long and they're going to reach out and get help uh, as a result of what you've shared. Now, the truth of it is it's going to come out at some point. The question is, are you going to heal from it in a healthy way and stop hurting the people um, who maybe you kind of aren't admitting that you're hurting um, or are are you, are you going to get help? I don't know yeah, if I said I mean, that right. Look, are you, yeah, are no. you going to stuff it and keep hurting people or are you going to get the help you need to get now with you, because you hadn't gotten the help yet, what was the effect of the trauma on you? How did that end up working itself out in your life? Well, I'd say one, you know, incredible insecurity mm. and insecurities, all insecurities aren't bad. I, I want to say that insecurities that drive you to overcompensate 
uh, or they betray you mm-hmm. where, you know, you're doing stuff that's just like, oh, you got to be kidding me. What Versus, were you doing? Well, I started with drugs, mm-hmm. alcohol, fighting, because uh, I was looking for my identity. Yeah. And uh, I can remember being in the Marine Corps. And um, I, it, I had a switch that could be flipped, uh, which I think all men should. I think all people should. We we tell women it's like being a mama bear. You know, if somebody tries to hurt your kids, all of a sudden you become a different person. It's you, you're not the life giver. You're the life taker at yeah. that point. But uh, for me, it I was just searching for identity. And, um, and and that really makes sense if I can stop you for just a second because here you have a man sexually abusing you. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. And so you're seeking to really prove your manhood, right? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, so guy guys who've been molested by men they'll they'll become stinking whores out there chasing women, chasing skirt, cheating because yep. they're trying to re- they're trying to reclaim their manhood. So they'll sleep. They'll just sleep with whoever. But the, the the problem with that is you will never find your manhood in that. And this is why I say, because I was abused by women too. I was abused by men and women. Uh, and uh, so I just didn't trust anybody. That's why when I got into a relationship with my wife, any, any girls I dated beforehand, three months was the longest. I, I had a switch at three months. I could drop a girl like that. And I hurt some girls along the way and my book, yeah. I apologize, but it wasn't until I met my wife, uh, that, you know, man, in God's way to restore that, to mm. trust her and also do it his way. So we didn't have sex before we were marriage. Uh, we'd had other relationships, but when we met, we were new Christians who we were like, Hey, let's do this God's way. That was key. And yeah, look, it's, it's, in today's world, virginity uh, is is mocked and all that. So I say, listen, go for purity. It's just like with porn, right? Uh, porn's a big Goliath. I'm like, it doesn't have to control anybody. It, I, I mean, don't give it that much power. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would say this. Uh, my values and morals were definitely shaped by those who I hung around yeah. and what happened to me as a child. So I, I believed I had to be able to drink and hold my liquor fight and never back down from a fight and chase skirt. So you're deep in sin yep. um, coping yeah. with everything you've gone through as yep. a child. What brought you to Christ? Can you tell the audience about the encounter with your father, my biological, your physical, your biological, yeah, my father. biological dad was never in my life. It was a stepfather who did the abusing. My biological father, he, he really abdicated his authority and his position as a man. That was his fault. So I hated him. And it was six months left in the Marine Corps. I got a letter from him, which shocked me. And he called me dear son. I didn't even know he was my real dad until I was a kid. <laughs> So the first number of years, I thought my stepfather who was abusing me as my caregiver was the guy. So now oh. here I got a dad. He writes me a letter. He says, Hey, uh, dear son, maybe mad all that anger, right? Uh, yeah. we gotta do, we gotta do something with the anger. Uh, 
he said, I know you think I'm crazy, but this time I'm crazy for Jesus Christ. He was a practicing warlock. He was, he stayed in a mental hospital for homicidal tendencies. He, it was the same mental hospital. His dad, my grandfather, I never met died in as a, as a young person. So for so me, you had, you had a, a history of mental illness in oh your family. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm thinking, is there a timeshare? Is this, is this, <laughs> is this where I go? Is this what we do? Come and, on, guys. This is encouraging, though. Okay. Oh, Victor's yeah. Victor's got this history of mental illness in oh, yeah. his family. Um, and God is using this man powerfully across the world. So your father, your biological father reaches out to you and yep. says, hi, son, hey. yeah. which ticks the oh ever-loving crap uh, out of you. I want to throttle him. Yeah. Right. And, and, he, and you easily could. And he wants to, and he says he's given his life to Jesus Christ. Yeah. So only correction, I couldn't easily because he was a master of martial arts he was 27 year bouncer. He had a he had a street name called La Tigre the Tiger. He <laughs> this this dude. Yeah, no, no. Uh, I love his, it. His so dad, you got it. You you came by this naturally. Oh yeah, check this out. His my grandfather. His dad was ranked number two in boxing and fought at Madison Square Garden. So we have this warrior lineage of fighters. Wow, that is God given. Yeah. to fight spiritual warfare and the manifestation of evil. But I'll just tell all the men listening, hey, you know, you may come from Viking blood or whatever, but you better get that under the power of God's Holy Spirit. But it's it's a God wants warriors. You, you, it's yeah. not something that you necessarily choose, but you got to get it underneath the power of God's Spirit. So here's yeah. my biological dad saying, hey, I've come to faith in Christ. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And he says, come visit me. So I go down, I visit him. I take leave of absence. I go down and he invites me to go to church. And I'm like, oh, whatever. So we go to, you know, I go to church with them and he's got all these knuckle dragon fighters because he trains fighters. Okay. They go to church. It's some Baptocostal type of church, Elizabeth. Okay. Which, you know, I'm like, oh boy, here they go. They're going to talk in the tongues. They're going to raise their hands. <laughs> and I'm like, whatever. And all of a sudden I see these really tough dudes worshiping God. Mm. that's what got me wasn't wow. even the word being taught wasn't the gifts it was straight worship to god and seeing these men not care a bit about anybody else and these are men that they wow. would they would hurt people's feelings they were yeah. fighters and i went oh my gosh wow what what i'm not a christian like they are mm -hmm. and the conviction of god came down and convicted me in a really, I'd say, a beautiful way. And that's the day, June 22nd, 1986, that I said, Lord, man, I've got nothing to give you. But, you know, please forgive me. And it's the first time I took responsibility for my own yeah. stuff. And honestly, it's the day I feel like I became a man. Wow. Is when when I when I bowed my knee and heart to God, and I don't say all that the all the fighting, way. all the womanizing. Yep. Um, and you say the first time you felt like you were a man was when you bowed your heart and your will to Jesus Christ, and you said, "Lord, I accept responsibility for my own sin, and oh, will yeah. you forgive me and make me a new person?" 
Oh yeah. Beautiful. Yep. I, I surrendered. I surrendered. And I think that's what some men miss. And I really thought that to be a Christian, you had to forego manhood because that's what my heart was hungry for. Farthest mm -hmm. thing from it. Now I will say this. Uh, there, there's some men groups out there and there are churches that have men in leadership that you need to ask to move on because <laughs> they're not real men. I mean, it, it's like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, yeah. Stop so, already. And the way you have expressed your manhood and your love for Jesus, I think is, is really amazing. Just in like one minute, explain what you and your wife and your team does to help traumatized women and children. Yeah, we started out really reaching kids who were incarcerated kids, troubled kids in the U.S. That expanded to where actually I was just in Iraq in a juvenile prison. I still reach kids who are locked up because I know the pain and hurt that they're often going through because of the past. But our ministry reaches those who've been traumatized or affected by trauma. Uh, we're best known for helping to recover uh, women and children from ISIS and help restore them emotionally. I just got a, uh, a communication uh, right before I came on your show uh, from a young man whose dad was killed by ISIS. And, wow. and, and I, we went over there and I put him in a martial arts program and he sent me a picture of him in his uniform. And he said, you are my second father. Oh. And in an, in an Arabic way, right? Not stepfather. You're my, so I'm a second dad to thousands of kids who will wow. never, they'll never have another dad because of the culture, because if the mom is single or widowed. So we, we are very passionate about reaching widows and children, we were having coffee this morning. We just said, you know, we believe the Lord is coming back. We we firmly, personally believe that, Eileen and I. And, mm -hmm. and if he doesn't in our lifetime, we're going to be seeing him soon enough. And we go, what, what, how can we make the biggest impact? And it is reaching mm -hmm. orphans and widows, hunting pedophiles who hurt children, stopping. Yes. Yeah. And, and we're very good at that. We have a very good success wow. rate by God's blessing and helping people like in the military and civilians who've been traumatized, not kill themselves. Mm. But you know what? It's, it's uh, I would just tell people don't give up. And I'm still on a journey of healing. I've had a lot mm -hmm. of Christians say, no, you're healed. You're whole, you're healed. And I go, okay, great. Tell mm -hmm. me that when I'm, you know, in Iraq, in Baghdad, and I feel the pressure and the stress or fatigue. And, you know, I start ticking because I have trauma-based mm. threats. I, I'm like, look, God's grace is sufficient for me always if I'm in the center of his will. That's where people kind of get messed up. There's so many Christians living in sin and disobedience to God. Mm. They're like, well, you know, your life sucks because some of you are just in direct disobedience. But yeah. listen, whether God gives you a you know, an incredible life and seasons of, of beauty, enjoy it with, enjoy just the sweetness of it. But if you're going through a time because you're following him and obeying him and you're going through a time of, you know, hurt and, and trauma, just commune with him deeper. Mm. That's the mm. time to push in and go, God, please help me. I don't understand it all but please help me. And he will. I want to circle back to something you said about uh, fathers. So for the fathers listening, 
who are maybe struggling with their importance or lack thereof in the lives right. of their children. How important is good fathering uh, in the future outcome of a child's life? It's a great question. So I'd say this, forget perfect fathering. It doesn't exist. Yeah, And I've seen good. people promote this perfect fathering stuff. It's like, get, give me a break. Two, there's a difference between being what I would say nice and kind. So I'm not known, and I tell people, I'm not a nice person. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm a nice dad. I, I, I don't think I'm a nice ministry leader, but I am kind. Mm-hmm. Meaning, oftentimes people will be nice with ulterior motives. They'll be nice to get something. Yeah. As a parent, dads will be nice to try to calm their kids down. It's like, hey, stand in the gap, hold them accountable, love them. And when you blow it, when you're not kind, you know, uh, when you blow it, just pull them down. I said, hey, what just happened? Me going off like that, yelling or losing my temper, or whatever, or how I talk to your mom, whatever. Put my hand to the wall. That's not how God acts. That's that's mm-hmm. not God's way. That was me. And please forgive me. I'm sorry you had to see that. And and then press on. Uh, get an idea from God and act upon it. And it doesn't matter yeah. what it is. I was driving my tractor and I told my daughter, teen daughter, I said, hey, come here, girl. She said, I said, get up on this tractor. And she's like, dad, I don't know how to drive a tractor. I said, well, you're about to. What if I wreck it? Well, it's a tractor. You're going to win. So, you know, mm. you'll go through a fence or whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It, just if you get an idea, act upon it. And, and then just tell them you love them. Just tell them you love them. And again, develop that relationship based on when we blow it. Because this is how I think with my kids. And they've given me the best dad award at times. And I'm like, I don't know if that's obligatory or, you know, <laughs> your mom coaxed you to it. But I'm the best dad you can have. Mm. Because I'm the one that God chose. I fell and I fall. But watch my tenacity to never give up. I won't give up. I think one of the most important things you've said uh, in this episode is that we must accept responsibility for our own actions. Because if someone has gone through the kind of trauma you've endured and has had uh, some of the uh, psychological, emotional, mental fallout that you have had to deal with throughout your life, the, the, I think the biggest roadblock to a family or a person recovering from something like that is when the person who's been traumatized blames their trauma on the other, the others, the victims. If you're doing that, there's no hope and your, your family will be destroyed. Yeah. But if you own it. Yeah. 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 Jump in. It's not, it's nonsense. Poopy pants. Take (laughs) responsibility. Come on. It just, just own it and say, I'm struggling. And, uh, I don't humility. even know that requires humility. Yeah. Yeah. And just go, I, I mean, you've already been humbled if you've blown it. Uh, yeah. but you know, I have a friend who cheated on his wife. All right. Uh, and I've known him for several years and he's, he's like, Oh my gosh, Victor. I was like, what the heck? And mm-hmm. he goes, but I love her. I'm like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, you know, he had a history of just complaining about his wife. Everything's bad or, you know, he personally take responsibility. So long story short, he cheats on her. And then he comes to me. He's like, oh, my gosh, 
what do we do? I said, man, you've bought the lie of the enemy and you've allowed your flesh to rule. Yeah. Unwind this nonsense. So he did. He dumped the girl, apologized to her. You know, he kept saying, but I love her. I go, you love the sex, knock it off. That don't last. Mm-hmm. I won't. If sex is what got and kept a man, prostitutes would be the most sought after women in the world for wives. And yeah. I hope all you single women listen to me out there. Uh, you, you don't give a man what only a wife should be giving. Right. So the, this dude ended up taking my friend, took responsibility because he called me and he's, uh, and, and I just tell him the truth, dude, you're selfish. Yeah. You're selfish. You've got, he went and apologized to his wife and children and he told his kids, wow. uh, he fully owned it. And then he told his wife, is there any chance we get back together? She's like, uh, not right now, mister. We're going to get a divorce because you know, this you, you've done this. And he goes, I understand. And she goes, now, after we're divorced, let's see if we can become friends and work on a relationship again. Wow. So, you know what? There are natural consequences, but men uh, do the courageous thing in life. Own wow. it, own it, and, and never give up. So that man did not um, stand on entitlement. He said, I don't deserve anything, and I'm going to humble myself and uh, prove to my wife that she can trust me again. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. That, There's the key. It's like, There's the key for well, those it, of you walking through that, that desert right now. Hey, we, we were at our movie uh, uh, premiere years ago, and a woman had just watched a film that you've watched. She came out. Eileen and I were, you know, doing the little press junket thing or whatever. And uh, she walks right up to Eileen and goes, how could you stay married to him? <laughs> and Eileen just looks at her and goes, because he's my husband. Yeah. And it just shut the lady down. Now there was an infidelity on our part. Right. Which, you know, which changes things. But I'll just say, man, we got But you also accepted to... responsibility along the way. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So there's the key. Uh, That's the key that I wanna I wanna hone in on. Well, in closing, and I hate to close because I could definitely um have this conversation for at least another hour. I want to go back to circle, circle back to you as a young man suffering mm. uh, yeah. in trauma. And I want to talk, um, want to have you share to those who are listening who um, maybe are suffering and just want to give up. Um, they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. What would be your, your closing words to that young person? Assess where you're at. Stop the negative stuff. If you're listening, listen, if you're listening to music that drags you down, change your choice. If you're taking drugs or alcohol, which depress you or a drug like heroin that makes you forget and zoom out, uh, it, it, things won't get better. They will get worse. And then be very careful in relationships. Relationships tend for a young person. That's the most common type of suicide and murder is when kids in a relationship that goes sour, then they feel no hope. And remember this, your story's not over. Man, mm. please read my book, watch my story. I could have given up so many times and believe me, I know what it's like to put a pistol in my mouth, mm. but I just, all I wanted to do was grow up. All I wanted to do is get older. 
because mm-hmm. then I could be in more charge of my life. Mm-hmm. And, and, and ultimately I found surrendering my life to God was the best choice I ever made. So trust, man, just don't give up. Um, your life matters. There's value in God placed you here for a purpose. Yeah. Amen. Victor has helped tens of thousands of people as a result of his worldwide ministry, helping people with trauma, helping people with troubled marriages. And uh, we're so glad that Victor didn't give up. And we want to um, encourage everyone listening that there is hope through Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you to go to victormarks.com and to see the resources that they have available for people that are struggling with broken marriages, struggling in, with trauma, PTSD. And also uh, take a moment if you've got a few dollars to give and donate to their ministry. Uh, they are just doing a tremendous work. Victor, we love you and Eileen. And I want to just thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. Of course, we love y'all too. God bless. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time. Thank you.